pension funds can go under. Technically, your IRA can go under too. <laughs> but a pension can can technically go under. There's been plenty throughout history that have. But at least if that money's in an IRA and something were to happen to you, Elizabeth, then that IRA can pass on to your beneficiaries. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Glad to have you back on Perfect Game Retirement alongside Ryan Ledden, who is the president and financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management. I am Ben George. We're opening up the mailbag today. We've got a lot of great questions from people who have listened to the show. They both reached out to Ryan directly, but also sent in some questions for us. So we thought let's put them all together in one episode and uh, just cover a bunch of different topics today, Ryan, and that's the goal. Yeah, I love mailbag. We hadn't, we hadn't had one in a little bit, but I just love, uh, and I know we answer usually one mailbag question a, an episode, but it's we, we've gotten several in, so it's like, yeah, let's just go ahead and make it a make it a full episode again. I think we've done one other one before and got some good feedback on it, so why not uh, why not take questions from people who are uh, who are listening? And believe it or not, this is going to be our final episode of 2021 as well. That's crazy, so, man. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know uh, this is the final few weeks of the year busy for you guys typically, or do you kind of ease up a little bit? It's still busy. Uh, it's not usually very crazy as far as just this big peak. Um, now, we do get some last minute <laughs> things where people kind of drug their feet and they got to get something in before the last. But we try to tell people, um, you know, this year we're going to be out of town the last few days of the year. So, like, if you need something to, to get some kind of last minute contribution in or something like that, like, it's got to be in. Because even like our custodian, they, they, don't, they don't want things at the last minute either because you can imagine how much they get inundated. So, processing all that stuff is, is difficult. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's always, um, there's always kind of time sensitive type things, but we try to space it out to where it's not, uh, not too, too chaotic because we want to enjoy the holidays like everybody else too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we, we, uh, we got some, some good feedback on our last episode. Uh, you know, the getting to know you question was about the first job you had. <laughs> so I thought we'd start off, uh, before we jump into our mailbag and ask you a question first to begin, what's the hardest job you ever had? The hardest job I ever had. Um, you would think most people probably answer this with like some like hard labor type job or something. Yeah. And, you know, um, like a dirty job uh, that, that you see on TV. But mine um, was more of a white collar job. It was actually the first job in this industry. And I won't mention, you know, the, the company name, but because it's a great company. They really, really are. But it was not a fit for me. I mean, it's dialing for dollars and anyone who's ever had to do that, which I think everyone should. Um, it's like a, it's like a rite of passage, if you will, but going through that, um, cause again, the, the job before it, I was a high school teacher and, and baseball coach and I enjoyed that job. I did not dread going to work at all. Um, but it just felt like it was a calling to do something else. And for family reasons, having kids, it just is a lot more complex when you're coaching high school sports and, and anyone who ever has can definitely relate to that. Um, so there was a bunch of different factors that, that led to me leaving uh, the, the teaching and coaching world. But then getting into the, the business, it was, it was a big 
kind of household name, which a lot of people in this industry kind of go through and some stay and, and, and that's fine. There's plenty of people that I went through training class that are still there at that company. But for me, it was, uh, it was mentally draining. Uh, it was not what I wanted to, to do, but it was an unbelievable learning experience. It was great training. But I just remember one time specifically, uh, my wife saying, like, I want my husband back. And, and I knew when she said that, like, okay, I am a miserable human being right now because four o'clock on Sunday hits, I start dreading, you know, I start yeah. dreading the week. And that's just an awful, awful feeling. So don't feel sorry for me. Um, it was, again, I wasn't, it wasn't backbreaking work. It was just work that I did not enjoy and was not called to do, but it did lay the groundwork of, of where I'm at now. Yeah, I think we've all, you know, whether it be a, a hard job physically or not, we've all, I think, had those those jobs where, yeah, when Sunday rolled around, you're thinking, man, <laughs> I got to do this all over again. What happened to the weekend? But yep. it's always great when you can find a job where you're not you're not concerned about that and you enjoy mm-hmm. the next day and beginning the new work day. So That's good right. stuff, Ryan. All right, let's jump into our mailbag. Uh, we've got a number of questions I want to want to throw your way today and uh, get your opinion. So again, if you have something for us, you can send it in blackoakam.com. We'll start off with Wade. He says, my wife and I both earn very nice incomes. We don't have any kids. We're only 45, but we think it's reasonable for us to look at retiring within 10 years. What would we need to do to make that happen? I like it. I mean, it's, it's, it depends on a lot of what you're doing, Wade, but I, I love the, the goal oriented uh, timetable there of 10 years. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's some planning that you need to go ahead and do now. Obviously we don't need to stuff everything into IRAs and Roth accounts because that puts us at 59 and a half. Uh, so you may already know that Wade, but what can we do between now and then to invest uh, and, and still have money that can create income between 55 and 59? Um, you know, obviously brokerage accounts that are not basically what they call non-qualified accounts, just investment accounts that you can put as much money in there as you can, Wade. And uh, that's a good place to pull money from, uh, potentially. You can also look at real estate where you're creating passive income. So call it, I call it mailbox money, where you're investing in real estate and you're receiving a monthly rent check or distributions, however you want to do it from a real estate perspective, because there's so many different avenues in real estate, whether it's residential, multifamily, commercial, you can go on and on and on. Now, again, when you do get to 55, Wade, if you do have money in a retirement plan, uh, you, you can take that money out from a, a retirement plan at 55. So that's one thing to think about uh, when you go to pulling that money. If you do roll it to an IRA, then it does lock it up until uh, 59 and a half. So, and I think the biggest, the last component, Wade, is uh, the health insurance piece. Uh, you're, that's obviously way before uh, Medicare because uh, that doesn't kick in until 65. So you have a 10-year gap you have to bridge from a health insurance perspective. And, and maybe you're a government employee and you'll have that kind of benefit. But if you don't, that's something to consider and, and be weary of uh, the cost of that because it, be, it can be expensive. Now, it's just you and your wife, uh, so you don't have any kids that you're going to have to cover on there. So it may not be as bad as you think, but those are some, some kind of high-level uh, things to think about when you, when you look at retiring uh, early, but I don't think it's out of the question for sure. All right, Wade, appreciate that. And congratulations, a great position to be in. So hopefully you're able to take advantage uh, and retire early. All right, George is next up. He says, I've heard you talking about being aware of the risk in your portfolio. I'm 65. Exactly how much risk should I be taking? 
Yeah, good question, George. I mean, that's that kind of was one of our points in our last episode, Ben, was was talking about risk and rates of return. I mean, there's a direct correlation of how much risk you you take on and the volatility of your uh, portfolio. So, George, at, at 65, I, you kind of said exactly how much that you, you can't pinpoint that over uh, just a uh, just a question. However, you need to be aware of of what your risk tolerance is. So there there are several uh, software programs out there that will give you an exact uh, score, if you will, or ranking of of what your risk tolerance is, and, and that's different for everyone. So the the old adage used to be, oh, you know, because you're 65, you got to take on a good bit less risk. There's a lot that it depends. You may have a pension, George. You may have Social Security. There's your conservative money. There's your guaranteed money that you're getting. So maybe you can take on a little bit more risk with your uh, investments. So I, I don't like using just the stereotypical, if you're 65, you should be in you know, 60-40 portfolio. That, those days are done. Um, the 60-40 may not last you long enough. But then again, it's, it depends on what your income, guaranteed income is per month and how much you need. Uh, to be honest, your, your overhead costs or your debt costs, whether it's mortgage payments, car payments, if you have a lot of that going out, you know, you may unfortunately be chasing risk and return. So uh, really pinpointing that, George, getting that number specifically nailed down, what is right for you. And then the portfolio kind of follows after that, but you need to know what that risk number is. Yeah. So make sure you sit down, George, you want to kind of sit down and go through everything and uh, come up with that number. Exactly. But thanks for the question. Great question. And one, real, real quick, Ben, one thing, George, I mean, you can go to our website and, and you can take that risk assessment, to be honest. I mean, shameless plug, you can go, there's probably tons of other advisors that use it, but you can go to our website and on the main page there, it says, what's your score? And you can click on it and, and you can go through the, the quick risk assessment there and it'll kind of give you a, a score, if you will. Yeah, very good. Blackoakam.com. All right. Vicky says, I don't think my kids are expecting an inheritance from me because I was a single mom for most of their lives, but I really want to make sure that I'm not a financial burden for them at any point. Should I work until I'm 70 so that I can take the highest possible social security benefit? Uh, I mean, Vicky, you could. Um, there, again, a lot of moving parts uh, to, to your situation, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, honestly, should you work until 70? just to kind of kick your social security benefit down the road. I mean, yeah, from a math standpoint, that's how you get the highest benefit from the social security administration is waiting until the age of 70. Um, sometimes people claim social security early and they continue working. Well, if you claim it before your full retirement age, Vicki, and I'm not sure what your age is, so I don't know what your, what they call FRA or full retirement age is, but once you reach full retirement age, you can earn as much money as you want. And there's no discount or hit, if you will, on your social security benefit. It's when you, it's if you're still working, making over a certain amount of money and claiming social security, you can take a hit on your social security benefit. So a lot of it depends, Vicki, but is, if your health is good and you know that income is going to be higher if you do wait till age 70. And, and honestly, Vicki, it depends on how much money you've paid into the system and how much money you've earned each year. But when people wait till age 70, I mean, it's a decent chunk of money. I've seen people around $4,000 a month in Social Security benefit just by waiting until age 70 and delaying those credits because Right now, the, the government is guaranteeing an e increase each year that you wait till after your full retirement age. And now, can they change that? Yeah, absolutely they can. It's the federal government. But right, right now, 
that's why I tell people is that's kind of your safe money as far as safe investments go. So if if the government's guaranteeing a certain amount of increase each year, well, they're guaranteeing it. Like there's not a whole lot of guarantees I can give. <laughs> and, and, you know, that that's a big no-no in our world, but I can't guarantee anything. I mean, I, technically the stock market can go to zero. Now there's insurance products and annuities out there that can state a certain rate, but uh, even that it's hundred percent not guaranteed. Right. Yeah. Great question. I, I think it's also great that she's thinking about that, right? Cause I think um, to, to be in that position, even if you don't leave anything to not be a burden and to not leave your kids with a bill is also very, very, very helpful. All right. Uh, what about Elizabeth? She's our next one. She says, I have a pension fund from a previous job in a different state. That's just been sitting there for years. I had the option to take a lump sum and invest the money myself. Should I do that or just leave it where it is and get a monthly pension when I retire? That's a great question, Elizabeth. And we come across that a ton because so many entities, and I say entities because it could be government, it could be a private business, but they are offering these lump sum packages because actuarially speaking, they want you off their books. Because <laughs> hmm. Elizabeth, they don't know how long you're going to live. And, and obviously, the longer that people are living, um, the more burden, financial burden that company or entity is taking on. So Elizabeth, a lot of times we do a, an analysis for people that lets people know, okay, if we take that chunk of money, if we did do a lump sum and put it in an IRA, and, and that's usually the case that you want to do, put it in an IRA, that way there's no taxes on that big lump sum, uh, at least on for the, for the rollover or for the transfer. So we take a look at, okay, what what can we plan on that lump sum? What kind of income can it produce? Obviously, assuming some type of rate of return, but we always bake in some negative years in there because it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And you, and you kind of look at what that lump sum can produce in income versus if they left it there in the pension fund and what they actually get. So a lot of times it's a no-brainer one way or the other. If, it, it may look at, okay, the pension fund is going to pay you X, but if we roll this over, it's going to pay you Y. It's usually cut and dry. It's very few times where it's like, uh, I don't know. But a lot of times if it's if it's close, I usually would recommend a lump sum rollover only because pension funds can go under. Technically, your IRA can go under too. <laughs> but a pension can can technically go under. There's been plenty throughout history that have. But at least if that money's in an IRA and something were to happen to you, Elizabeth, then that IRA can pass on to your beneficiary. So there are some benefits there, but I've seen pension funds where it's a no-brainer to leave it because you're like, holy cow, they're going to pay you that much versus that lump sum? Yeah, no, you need to keep it in there. And there's there's a few pensions in the state of Georgia, the, the, the TRS, the Teacher Retirement System of Georgia. That thing is awesome. Uh, so I, they do offer like there's technically a lump sum dollar amount uh, that's with that individual, but the pension they have is is awesome. So I, I never it's not even a consideration uh, to do the lump sum, but many times uh, doing the lump sums is a good idea. But running that analysis, Elizabeth, is a good is a good idea, and any any advisor can do it. Call us, but uh, they should be able to help you with that. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. And Orn is next. For years, I've had half of my money with one broker and half with someone else. They're both nice guys, and I thought it would be a good idea to have advice from two different people. But now it just seems confusing. So am I better off to have it all in one place? 
Yes. Hmm. <laughs> no, no, it depends on that one, huh? No, no, it depends on that. We don't, uh, we don't work with people if they got brokerage accounts all over the place. Uh, it's just not in your best interest, Oren. So that's, that's kind of one of our requirements is we, we manage it all or we don't work with them because it, it just is too much. Again, Oren, it, it's not us being greedy, trying to manage more money. It, it really, if we're going to put a plan together, it needs to be followed, but you don't need to have two different people telling you two different things because then you're going in circles and you don't want that or you don't need that either. So putting it in one place and I, and sometimes I hear, well, I want to diversify. I'm like, you can diversify inside your account. It has nothing to do with diversification. Like most right. advisors are, are not limited in what they can do depending on what their licensing are, depending on their licenses. You know, if you got someone who's got a Series 7 and a 65, I mean, there's really nothing they can't do from an investment standpoint. So that shouldn't be a limitation. Uh, now, if there's certain things they can't do, okay, maybe that's a limitation. Maybe you need to address that, Oren. But don't do it because you think it's diversifying because investments are everywhere. Like <laughs> there's, there's almost zero proprietary stuff anymore. There, there's a few things out there, but there is not much anymore. So going with two different advisors, I would not suggest it or, and I would, I would go come up with a plan from both of them and see which one fits you better. And then I would go from there. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned diversification. I think there's probably people that believe just working with different people kind of diversifies your uh, portfolio, but that's that's not the case at all. So thanks for that question, Orrin. We appreciate that. And we got one more to get to here on the show from Mary. She says, we've never lived on a budget our entire lives, and my husband is very resistant to having a budget once we retire. But without a budget, how do we make sure that we don't run out of money 10 years before we die? Yeah, oof, that's going to be tough um, to, to all of a sudden start living on one. But uh, obviously, Mary, there's, there's a lot of factors there. It depends on, again, what your monthly income needs are, what you have coming in. Because again, I've mentioned on here before, it's about income. It's not about nest egg. It's about income. Uh, what do you have coming in every single month? But uh, ha having never lived on a budget and then all of a sudden starting to do it now, that's going to be a process. Uh, it, it, I'll be honest with you. It, it's <laughs> That's like a light switch. It's going to be hard to turn it on and off. But uh, you need to. You, you have to because you don't if you're fully retired, you don't have any earning power anymore from a paycheck. It's all based off of what you have, whether it's pensions, social securities, and any investments that you do have. So you got to do it. I would highly recommend if you want like a third party to, to help you out with. Um, again, us being Dave Ramsey guys, there's uh, life coaches, Ramsey life coaches out there that do the budgeting stuff for you. Now you got to do some work. You got to put a budget together, um, you know, income, expenses, what's coming in, what's going out, but they can help you with that. And and sometimes it's just better to have a quote unquote coach, which I tell myself I am. I'm just a coach on a different end from the investing in the retirement standpoint, but you got to have someone from an accountability standpoint. That's why so many people hire, um, you know, trainers and CPAs and uh, just coaches in general, because there's that layer of accountability and usually the results are better. So if you really need help with a budget, either take Financial Peace University class, but I would do the the, the life coach with Rams off, off Ramsey's website because it's one person devoted to you and your specific uh, family situation. And I think your results will be more successful. All right. Great stuff. So a lot of good questions that came in. We appreciate everyone that sent them in to us. If you do have something for us, the best way to do so and get it to the show is blackoakam.com. That's also the best place 
to schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session right now. Also take that risk assessment. There's a lot of other great resources on the website. And we'll put this podcast and every other we do on the website as well. So you go back and listen uh, at your pace and uh, whatever topic you're interested in, you can find it there on the website. So Ryan, we'll close it out on that note. Uh, A great 2021. I wish everyone, as we close this out, and you might be listening to this another time of the year, so just ignore the message. But for those that are listening, (laughs) as we release this, we wish everyone a a happy new year and look forward to talking to you again in 2022. Yeah, crazy that uh, 21's over with. feels like COVID just started and that was was the beginning of uh, of 2020. But yeah, Yeah. it's been a good year, great year. Um, But yeah, I guess the next time that... uh, this podcast is released. It'll be uh, 2022. Yeah, pretty amazing. Well, Ryan, take care. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.